Uh, here's the thing. Brain hack. Life hack. It's good for you. <laughs> You're hacking my life. <laughs> my life has been hacked to pieces. My life. H- hack my life into pieces. Uh, 1929. Uh, headline. The Boston Chronicle. The life hacker strikes again. <laughs> hacking people's lives into pieces. If you play jazz music, he will not be there. Oh, I get it. He's the, yeah. The, this no. is my last resort. Suffocation. No Life reading. hacking. Oh. You know what's crazy? What? So this photon. What? Uh, this, this, this photon was, uh, he was getting on a train. And uh, the, the person who takes your luggage from the train, um, what are they called? It's like a train bellhop. Sure. A conductor, uh, a, a, I think. Uh, a porter. They're called a porter. And a hotel, maybe. Uh, the the porter came down and he said, "Oh, is this uh, is this all just the backpack? It's just the backpack, then, and you're taking that on with you." And the photon said, "Yes, that's true. I am taking my backpack on with me." And then the the porter said, "Oh, so you're you're not checking anything? You're not checking anything into into steerage into." into the storage it's like no just just the backpack then and then the porter the, the porter was like oh so you just bring the backpack on with you and the the photon said yeah i'm traveling light should we get started yes please <laughs> I have made this letter longer than usual because I lack the time to make it short. And welcome back to Zero Credits, the show where we talk about things. My name's Henry. And my name is John. And together we're Henry and John, not making anything short this week as it's a special occasion. It is a very special occasion, the second annual, dare I say... Cool's giving. Bum theme song. Ah, uh, the bum theme song of Cool's giving. Yes, Cool's giving, where we give cool thanks to the things that are cool in our lives. And I think that all of us, uh, particularly us on Zero Credits, we sometimes get a little caught up in the machinations of our everyday lives. We get stressed, not blessed. Uh, we, like I am's, are short periods of unstress followed by a long stress. And we can forget that there are things in our lives that are both cool and thanks. Yeah, I I feel like there is a lot of negativity going around with all of the horrible things that keep happening on a daily basis. And so I feel like we need to pause, take a step back, and reflect on what's cool that we're thankful for. I would go as far as to say that the last episode of Zero Credits might be one of our most negative. It pro- it, it was. I, I will say without a doubt it was. We were ragging on things left and right, and we came to the conclusion that the zeitgeist is an angry, empowered place. Mm. But So this week, we're going to try to release some cool positivity to balance out the, uh, the, the, the angry empowerment. Release some cool to soothe the ghost. Yeah, let's make that, let's, let's cool that ghost. Let's cool the ghost. And, uh, I think format wise, now I don't remember exactly how we did cools giving last year, but I would just like to go back and forth talking about things that are cool and we are thankful for. Well, I think before we get to that, we need to, we need to establish a few more of the, you know, the the cools giving traditions i guess like any new holiday it is important to establish tradition unlike you know seasoned holidays that have been around for hundreds of years such as monkey japes exactly like monkey monkey japes is set in stone but cools giving has only been around for this is the second year and so so the first year we established it as a holiday and now this year we're just going to add one more thing to it one more element to really get that foundation set for next year. 
And fun fact, if Cool's giving was a child, now is the point where you could become concerned if it wasn't forming words. <laughs> exactly. So, to, to give it a voice, if you will, we need to pick someone or a group or maybe two people to represent all that is Cool's giving. Oh, dare I say... A patron saint of Cool's giving? Exactly. A patron saint of Cool's giving to represent all that's cool in the world today. Oh, there's some danger in that, though, Henry. What's the danger? Because we live in a world where our heroes are dying. I know. That's why I want to focus on someone who can't die. Uh, so someone who's already dead. Okay, yeah, it could be someone who's dead. Okay, uh, so, you know that's uh, that's probably for the best, al- almost the safest way to do it. Because boy, there would be egg on our face if we declared someone a patron saint of cools giving, and they ended up being some new century ghoul. I, I hope you know. I, I would hope the people who are in contention for cools giving could not. It couldn't be revealed that they were a ghoul the whole time. So, like, I, you know, the, the question that I walked in with a podcast with is, uh, is Tom Hanks cool? Oh, that's a tough one. Tom Hanks is a very specific kind of cool. Yeah, because he, he's, the, he's the name that always pops up during all of these allegations. Like, what I mean to say is as an opposite to the scumbags being named. He, he's always, like, the joke person who's like, oh, God, you know, are they going to find out that he donated a box of kittens to an elderly home yeah i mean you can't like you can't look at tom hanks and think that anything untoward has been committed by him exactly but that doesn't really answer the question if he's cool or not oh because like when you say cool i think you know a great white shark and rollerblades with flame decals on its side Going down, like, the highway at 90 miles per hour. But what is the essence of cool? What is the essence of that shark? Uh, I, I think uh, extreme has something to do with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe a little bit of 90s marketing. Okay. Might, might be at play here. Uh, whatever they put in cool ranch. Oh, it's uh, the cool factor. The cool factor. Or, or cooler ranch and the Doritos flavor. Oh, Cooler Ranch? Yeah, they they make a distinction. Their ranch is cooler than normal Cool Ranch. Oh my god. <laughs> so, Here's so, what I think, Henry. What do you think, John? I want to distill that shark. I want to put that shark in a bomb calorimeter and measure its output. Alright, how do we do that? I think that the reason why that shark is cool, and the reason we think other things are cool, as I think we have covered on the podcast before... Being cool is being yourself and not caring. Alright, so uh, an attitude of indifference with a bit of honesty. I, I don't even think that indifference is, is necessarily the word. It's just a true uh, honesty to self. And it's not like listening to... Other people, when they tell you that, like, the things that make up your identity that are not harmful are, like, deleterious to your social standing. If someone's like, hey, man, stop wearing those translucent glasses. If you say, okay, then you're a loser. But if you say, no, man, and then you just wear them, you're cool. Okay. So so is it self-actualization? Is that what makes you cool? Yes. As Maslow taught us... The, when the you hierarchy. get to the top of a pyramid, you're cool. Yeah, it's Maslow's hierarchy of cool. And I think another thing that puts Tom Hanks in the running, and we'll come back to his coolness, but we can't forget the fact that his name is Thanks. It is. It is Thanks. So, I mean, it would it would directly tie into Cool's giving because we're replacing... I don't know if you guys have figured out... The code behind where we got the name Cool's Giving, but, spoiler, we took out the thanks and put in a cool. 
Yeah, when you take it... Oh, but then we took out the thanks, so should we put the thanks back in? I don't know. And and I I would be remiss if I did not mention that I did ask our listeners this question on the Facebook, and we did get another candidate to consider. Okay, so here's what I want to do. What do you want to do? So is Tom Hanks your vote? Is Tom Hanks the one you're putting forward into the ballot box? I think Tom Hanks is just sort of like... he, he. I think he's the zeitgeist pick. Okay, I think that mine is going to be uh, less thanks, more cool. Okay. But there is an implicit thanks, and my pick is Jeff Goldblum. All right. See, when I said it was a zeitgeist pick, that doesn't mean it's my pick. Oh, okay, so the zeitgeist picked one. I picked one. And, And now I will pick one. Yes. And I put forth, hopefully, this is okay. Uh, Julia Louise Dreyfus. Okay, yeah, I could see that. I don't know if she's cool. I just, I feel like, I feel like she would be a nice fit. Yeah, she's cool. She's been, she's been, I'd I'd say she's very cool. She was on one of the coolest television shows in history, which is uh, Veep. Veep, yes. And she's genuinely and generally done her own thing and survived as a woman in comedy when it was not very easy to do so. Yeah, and that makes her cool. And uh, case for Jeff Goldblum, real quick. Yeah. Uh, he has a jazz band. That's pretty cool. Uh, he is kind of a health nut, but in a fun way. And he has a jazz band. All right, all right. And he was in The Fly and The Big Chill. (laughs) And so now we we come to the fan pick. Yes. Uh, The fan pick submitted by listeners on Facebook.com was Sam Elliott. Oh, Sam Elliott's an interesting one. Yeah, the the quintessential American cowboy. Very American, a very recognizable voice and face, and dare I say mustache. Yeah, like, extremely recognizable, like, definitely has developed a brand of sort of being himself, and not sort of cow-tailing to people who would tell him to stop being himself. And it may be so cool that by being himself, he made an archetype. Maybe. Uh... The uh, the listener. All right, so so now we've got four candidates. We've got Tom Hanks, Jeff Goldblum, Julia. I can't say her name. Julia Louise Dreyfus. I'm not even saying her right, probably. And uh, and Sam Elliott. All four contenders, very powerful. Yeah. And so now I think it's a time where we list their attributes, what makes them cool, and pick apart, and try to come to an agreement of who is the cool, who is gonna be the patron saint of Cool's Giving. I'm perfectly okay with that. How did the Fonz not come up? Oh, you mean uh, Henry Winkler? Henry, yeah. old uh, Current day Henry Winkler. <laughs> Yeah, current day Henry Winkler. He could have been in there, but he just didn't make the cut. Not this year. Maybe maybe there'll be like a thing next year where contenders can rise up and, and try to claim that Cool's Given crown. But for this year, we gotta we got to find out who the champion is first. All right, so let's start with Tom Hanks. All right, Tom Hanks. I think the question remains. Like, yes, he is extremely nice, extremely generous. He, he He's the person... Who, if a scandal ever broke out around him, it would literally destroy America's moral center. Yeah, America would be nothing if that were to happen. But is he cool? See, I don't know. I know. I I, I think he's a safe pick for, like, any type of mascot. If... Can someone that safe be cool? Is safe cool? No, because that shark's going 90 miles per hour on a 65 mile per hour freeway. Yeah, and I I think I forgot to mention, that shark is not wearing a helmet. Yeah, so like, if... Can someone be cool if you can imagine them being your dad? (laughs) Can can your dad be cool? I think the answer is, like, yes, if he's like a fighter pilot. Yeah, fighter pilot dad's pretty cool, but otherwise... 
or, or like a hell's angel dad maybe yeah like an angel dad for sure like a hellish dad <laughs> i was referring to the motorcycle gang oh okay yeah like a lucifer dad yes like the motorcycle gang lucifer it's tough because I really like Tom Hanks, but the more I think about this, I just don't see him being cool. Yeah, I, I mean, he's he's very he's he is very himself. He, he is self actualized to a point, but that point is just sort of like agreeable white guy. Yeah, and I think that I think that given everything that's happening in the world right now, yeah, that. Maybe it can't be agreeable white guy. Maybe it can't be a white guy who doesn't take a stand on anything. Yeah, you gotta you gotta take a stand to be cool, right? Because because standing up for something is part of being is part of knowing who you are. If you don't stand for something, you'll fall. And, and I'm sure I'm sure Tom Hanks has stood for things in the past. I don't want to knock him down completely, but I, I don't think I don't think he. I don't think he embodies cool the way that the cool's giving patron saint needs to. I feel like if it maybe was like early, like young Tom Hanks, like the Burbs Tom Hanks, we'd be having a different conversation. Yeah, yeah, like uh, what? What was that? Bosom Buddies Tom Hanks. Oh, Bosom Buddies Tom Hanks was the coolest. Yeah, if it was him, if we had a time machine, if we could, if we weren't picking people who are contemporary and still alive... We could we could go back in time and pluck bosom buddies or the burbs Tom Hanks out of his time stream and make him our patron saint. Yeah, I mean we we just can't. I mean we just have to take what we're given exactly and ignoring the fact that I did open the floor to the potential of electing dead people and I did agree that that was a thing that could happen. <laughs> it is not what has happened, and we must live in that world. Yes, exactly. So, I, I think we pass on, on Tom Hanks for now. Okay. Uh, so, let's move on to Exhibit 2, uh, Jeff Goldblum. Okay, so here's the thing about Jeff Goldblum. Uh, he, is, he is very much embodying the one thing about coolness that I think is the most important, which is a perceived lack of caring, because he's always just been himself. You mean, like, in all of his roles? Uh, he he has some amount of variation, but generally he just plays to type of being Jeff Goldblum. But the way that he speaks and the way that he is, if you read interviews with him, he's always been uh, mocked for the way that he speaks and the way that he acts. And there's this tall, lanky dude with this very particular way of speaking with very particular interests. And he's never really altered that trajectory. And he's almost used time and pressure to turn all of this coal into a diamond because now he's one of the smoothest most interesting people on the planet so he he like doubled down on all of the the quirks or sort of ticks that other actors might be advised to iron out of their re- repertoire but he just sort of uh, focused on them and honed them into an unstoppable force of gold bloom. Yeah, he just remained himself. And one of the uh, more interesting things about him, of course, is his jazz band. Because how many 66-year-old actors do you know have a jazz band that plays every week? And I've heard accounts of people being at those jazz shows where he will walk around the audience uh tell women that they look like beautiful versions of certain actresses, tell men that they look like versions of actors he's worked with. He'll, like, pretend arm wrestle people, tell them stories about his wife and his dog. Now, I just have one question for you, John. Hmm. What instrument does he play in this jazz band? Piano. Ooh. Is piano cool? Uh, It is the nerdiest instrument. It's the instrument that your mom forces you to play. Yeah, but what if his mom never forced him to play and picked it up himself and he was his own mom? That would be cool. And and I will say that I have seen a piano drive around a city while somebody sang. I I forget the song. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. What is that? What song is that? Making my way downtown. Exactly, that one. So, So pianos, they can be vehicles. Pianos can be vehicles and vehicles for social clout. 
Now, now, part of the shark uh, definition of coolness is that there's there's sort of a hint of danger there, right? Yes. And uh, and a lot of classic cartoons I have spied uh, pianos falling on people. Which is dangerous, but if you are playing the piano, the odds of it falling on you are statistically unlikely. It's true. It, it, that is true. So, so I mean, it is like the safest way to go about a piano. Not now, being... I am, I'm willing to submit some faults in Jeff Goldblum. Okay. Uh, number one, uh, his dog, which is adorable, is named Woody Allen. Ooh, that's, that's minus points. A lot of that is because his first big major role was in a Woody Allen movie. Um, but I'm not the world's biggest Woody Allen fan for a lot of reasons. Yeah, I just read a whole uh, the Paris Review article that was mainly about Woody Allen. Yeah, so that's that brings it into question a little bit. I mean, can you fault the man for being gratuitous? That's not the word. For being gracious for the guy... Who got his career started? It's tough to say. That's the question for not cool's giving. Um, so there is that. All right. So I think that's a solid list of pros and cons for Jeff. And, and you know, to a, I just want to make a small comment. Uh, to a point, he is very similar in all of his roles, but I think in some roles he does bring a bit of difference to the table. Table. Like, uh, he's not 100% himself in Thor Ragnarok. Oh, he's a skilled actor. Yeah, no, no, yeah, what I'm saying is, like, he has these mannerisms, but he he does know how to, he does know how to play with those mannerisms. Mm-hmm. And playing is cool, because what? why else would that shark be on those rollerblades? And, uh, apparently, every day when he was a child, he would write... In the steam on the bathroom mirror, please God, let me be an actor. And then he was an actor. Wait, so he... He... He made a wish? Yes. Wishing's not cool. He is a genie. Wishing's not cool. Whoa. We'll we'll come back, we'll come back. We don't have to eliminate everybody on this first pass. Okay, but we did eliminate Tom Hanks, seemingly. Well, yeah, because... The zeitgeist chose wrong. Yes. What I mean to say is we don't necessarily have to uh, eliminate Jeff Goldblum right now because I, I feel like he's a solid pick. He's pretty cool. So uh, let's go to yours. All right. So Julia... Will you say her name, please? Uh, Julia Louise Dreyfus. Thank you. Julia... I can't get past the J-U-L. How about you just call her J-L-D? <laughs> All right. So J-L-D. Here's why she's cool. Uh, wealthy. <laughs> Born to a wealthy family and became an actress. Uh, has phenomenal comedic timing. Mm-hmm. Is super, like, if there's a bit and she's in it, she is dedicated to that bit. She she played one of the most seemingly uncoolest people. Not quite George levels, but Elaine isn't really high up on the coolometer, but she she was committed to portraying her as realistic as possible for like 11 years. Oh, that characterization is flawless. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, like, in, in, a, in a way, all of the characters on Seinfeld are uncool, except for Jerry, because, of course, he's he's like the closest to fame in the, in the, in the show, because he's playing himself. Mm-hmm. But Elaine, like, her little kicks, the little dances, the big salad, like, all of these classic moments that arguably are, see, they're, they're, they're not cool moments. And also, her character potentially contributed the most to, uh, to everyday societal language, you know, muffin tops, M- sponge-worthy. Dangos? Dangos, eating babies. Eating babies, yeah. I, I, I mean, like... I think it takes somebody really cool to portray someone so uncool for that long amount of time. Oh yeah, an uncool person playing an uncool person is just sad. Yeah, I, I mean that—that's. 
Oh, what's his name? I just heard an interview with him, but I don't remember his name. There there are actors who, unfortunately, are typecast as, like, sort of, like, sad sacks. Mm-hmm. Um, he voiced the horse in Over the Garden Wall. But Oh, yeah. That's neither here nor there. Um, but, but then, you know, rather than rest on her coattails of Seinfeld, she, she spins off, not spins off, but ends up on another sitcom called The New Adventures of Old Christine. Mm-hmm. Not a good show. Uh, I have not seen it, but I did not hear good things. It, it stars the, uh, oddly enough, it stars, like, Agent Phil from Agent of Sheep. That's not his name. Agent Coulson from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, Agents of Phil? Agents of Phil. I think his name was Phil on that show. Or, I don't remember. But she doesn't let that keep her down. Even though, I think it went on four or five seasons. I don't, who who cares? It's a sitcom. Mm Mm-hmm. Then she ends up on Veep, where she plays the Vice President of the United States. I mean, come on, people. Progressive. Well, I mean, she she made it. She went from uncool New York 30-something to the vice president of the United States. And Veep is a very good show. Veep's one of the best comedies I've seen in the past, let's say, five years. So she persisted. And persisting is cool. It's true. Because that shark isn't going to stop well, for nothing. You have to persist in the right circumstances to be cool. What I mean is she persevered. Yes, perseverance is cool. That has a positive connotation. <laughs> so yeah, persistence and perseverance, two totally different words that mean basically the same thing. Yeah, it's all about the, it's all about the connotation, the perceived definition. Thanks, society. Yeah, thanks, zeitgeist. Damn that zeitgeist. And, you know, right now, she, she is going through a tough time right now, so I feel like she could use a win. Um, I don't know if you know this, John, but she was diagnosed with breast cancer. Oh, definitely. So, I I mean, even before I heard that, she's definitely high up there. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm just saying, like, you're not gonna take this away from her with your weird Jeff Goldblum pick, are you? Uh, really, <laughs> if, if you compare... If you compare Jeff to her, she's kind of running away with it. <laughs> I might I might be a little bit biased, however. So I, I will... Let, let's think of some 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 cons. Um, one con, she had two... She, I mean, she pulled off an uncool character so well that I think it's perceivable that she was uncool at some time. It's possible, but if she's cool now, does her past uncoolness matter? Well, I, f- I feel like consistent coolness, I mean, no one, is anyone asking questions about the shark's past? No. So our, we're now questioning her past, so I, that that's a con. How does how true. Is this, how is this contest working? <laughs> uh, it's working very well. If we um, are comparing them to sharks. Yeah, if we're compa- that that's that's the metric is we're comparing them to this this shark rollerblading down a high uh, high school. What? <laughs> a shark it is much less cool if the shark is rollerblading in a high school. No, no. <laughs> Highway at 90 miles per hour and don't forget the flame decals. Yeah, the flame decals are important though have not and will not be discussed. Exactly. So maybe maybe we table her for Yeah, now. put put her on the table with Jeff. There's a Jeff there's a and Jeff, then there's a Julia Louise. And a Julia Louise. And now we turn to the audience's pick, uh, Sam Elliott. Now, can I give you a quick fun fact about Sam Elliott? Is it, please tell me that he's not, like, some type of criminal. Uh, well, the fun fact is actually an article about Sam Elliott on Variety. Is it from this week? Uh, let, it is not. It okay. is from about a month ago. Uh, that's still kind of dicey. Are you about to shatter the world's perception of Sam Elliott? Well, we'll see. When did you have time to prepare this? I just revealed that. So, here's what Variety says about Sam Elliott. Please, no. Sam Elliott defended the dozens of women who have accused disgraced mogul Harvey Weinstein of sexual harassment assault, calling the movement the best thing that's happened to Hollywood in a long time. During the Variety screening series presented by Filmstruck, the hero actor, the movie is called The Hero, 
expressed his confidence in Weinstein's fallout being an inflection point regarding sexual harassment at large. Begin quote, How can it not be? Once you've given that kind of strength that this unveiling has given to a given population, the women of the world, how can you take it back? He asked. Elliot also conveyed his disappointment about how women in this town have been put upon by the men in this business the way they have for so long. He added, That's not to say it's not a two-way street for some. There's a lot of girls who get into this game, and they'll do anything to survive and thrive, but there's also a bunch of innocents that come to town and are just fucking ground up by it. Weinstein's scandal has had a domino effect of exposing men in the industry, including director James Toback, former Amazon Studios president Roy Price, and former Loud House showrunner Chris Savino. So yeah, that sounds great. That's like the best case scenario for an article to come out recently with a, 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 a male actor's name in it. Um, Trey, cool. <laughs> yeah, very cool. Standing up for other people who... Or, or just backing other people. You don't even have to stand up for them, you know, to just, just agree with their, their plight. I mean, that's the best stance to take is, like, a lot of a lot of male actors, after this came out, they're like, I'd never do such a thing, nor have I. I love women. And he's like, the narrative's not about me, you guys. Exactly. It's not... Don't try to... Don't even use the word I. It's not about that. It's like, just just acknowledge that it exists that it is a problem and that we need to make change yeah acknowledge the problem and support those coming out against it exactly so so that's cool and that lines up with what one of our fans wrote Uh, he's super supportive of all the women who have spoken out recently against sexual harassers in hollywood that was a quote from one of our listeners that is uh, accurate as far as variety is concerned. And then it's followed up with a bonus. He's the voice of Smokey the Freaking Bear. Oh, well, I mean, that's also very cool. <laughs> oh. I, when, did he vo- when did he voice Smokey the Bear? Oh, probably in like the 80s. Oh, you mean like the original voice? Probably. What? I mean, Sam Elliott's been around for a while, man. How old is Sam Elliott? Timeless? Alright, so I found an article on the Washington Post that said, For the last seven years, he has been the voice of the Smokey Bear, an American icon, published in 2013. So then he started in 2006. Yes. But it stands... Yes. Stands the reason he would probably keep doing it till today. Smokey for ten years. Yeah, that's cool. Ten more years of Smokey. Ten more. I don't think we elect him. Uh, ten more years. Ten more years. Stop the fires. He, he's a cool guy. His voice is very distinguishable. He, he, he's, he's got the look. He's He's been... A cowboy or, like, a western guy or, like, just, like, a rough rider more times than not. But he's also been not that. He's also been, uh... Oh, no. He's mainly that. I don't know what yeah, to he's, say. Yeah, he's mainly that. That's mostly his thing. Yeah. But he's like the, uh, the Kwisatz Hatterack. The what? The Kwisatz Hatterack. What is that? The the Kwisatz Haderach. It's from Dune. The spice must flow? Uh, it's the idea that you can be like a, a specific kind of person who can identify with equally masculinity and femininity. Oh, okay. So he's the perfect blend of masculine and feminine uh, quality traits? I mean, look, he was a cowboy, a rough rider, has basically created a certain cowboy archetype, but he's also empathetic to the plight of women in Hollywood. He was in The Good Dinosaur. Not to undercut what you said. Yeah, I agree with what you just said. Yeah, he was a rough riding cowboy dinosaur. It's undeniable that he's cool. Yeah, I would not even bring that into question. In fact, if we change the equation... That instead of a shark rollerblading down a highway, it was Sam Elliott rollerblading down a highway, it would actually become cooler. You're right. 
it, it, they're not even interchangeable. He would improve it. Yeah, it, it would be an entirely different thing, and it would be uh, better. And it, it would be it would have to be like a portrait above his his mantle. Yes. Oh God, have we we messed up? Didn't we? Uh, we we did. We actually managed to elect someone to this position that skewed the rubric. So I mean, like while Jeff Goldblum is cool for self actualization, and why JLD is cool for her everything, Sam Elliott isn't just cool. He like he it permeates him. Yeah, it's like every every other person that we've elected to this has been like a regular integer, and Sam Elliott is like an irrational number that has made the equation eat itself. Well, all right, I, I think I think we have come to an agreement that he Sam Elliott is the first ever elected patron saint of Cool's Giving. I mean, he's gotta be. I'm happy with it. I, I'm happy with it, too. I'm actually surprised, because I was back in JLD so hard back there, but once we got through all the Sam Elliott stuff, it just... There's no... You can't... No one can argue that he's not cool. And if anything is to happen in the future, we can have a uh, an emergency election. Yeah. I, I feel like every year we should review the previous champion... And then see if any new champions can come up and challenge him. And then maybe in the future we'll put dead people and fictional people up there too. Exactly. On the rare occasion when no one uh, can can stand up to Sam Elliott, we'll, we'll go back and see like, hey, Lord Byron, does he stand a chance? Who knows? Much like the American presidency, in lieu of a suitable candidate, we will elect a television star. Exactly. Oh, God. There were suitable candidates, though. There very much were. Uh, no, we can't talk about that. All right, so now I think we, we pivot, and in the name of Sam Elliott, we, we talk about things that are cool that we're thankful for. Oh, all right. Yeah, now, now we, have, we have a patron saint to levy our cool things towards. Well, I have, uh, I have something that I'm cool and thankful for. Alright. And this might seem a little bit odd, but I am thankful for hot beverages. Hot beverages. Now, are you referring to things like coffee? Like coffee or tea or just some broth. Or hotty toddies? A hotty toddy, certainly. Uh, So I have recently been enjoying some hot beverages. Like what? Uh, I had a double matcha tea at a coffee shop around here that was very good. I like matcha a lot. What is matcha? It's green tea, but different. How is it different from green tea? Greener. It's greener? What makes it greener? <laughs> you know, they pick it when it's greener. I don't know, Henry. What I'm is not it? A tea, I'm not a tea scientist. So it's like a leaf? Yeah, it's like a ground-up leaf, because it's tea. Alright. Well, what's what makes it cool? It's cool because generally, in our hotty toddy, gosh almighty society, we have a tendency to rush around, hilly fillity, and we just want things now. I mean, I am personally very guilty of, other than the fact that I enjoy the taste, when I want coffee, I will get iced black coffee because I can drink it quickly. Yeah, uh, instant gratification is like at an all-time high lately. It's instant gratification. I can get on my way. But if you get a drink that's hot, that's a drink that's like, slow down, buddy. This beverage is on my terms. So that's what you're supposed to do with hot drinks. It's supposed to be a reminder to slow down and, like, take this at your own pace or take it at the pace of the the temperature of the beverage to reflect and generally just have a pause in your day. In a weird way, I feel like hot beverages might be one of the only things on Earth that do a very specific thing. Because hot beverages are given to you to please you. Yeah. Every other thing in the world that is given to us specifically to please us 
is champing at the bit to give us what we want as soon as we want it in the best possible form. But if you have like some hot tea or some hot coffee and you're sitting with your friends, you're like, there's, I can only drink this so fast. That's really cool. It's like, it's a built-in break dictated by the heat of the beverage. And it's a real like psychological like mind trip to be like, you know, oh, I'm going to hang out with this person for at least this long because my drink's still hot and it's warming my hands. That's why people go out for coffee on a first date. Yeah, because you're trapped by the beverage. You got to hope your your hot date gets a hot beverage. Oh, yeah. If you get if you mix it up, hot, cold, not going to work. Yeah, hot, cold. That's a, that's a lukewarm date. Mmm, ugh. Yeah, that's not a good first impression. Nobody likes... Nobody likes receiving things when they're lukewarm. Yeah, I don't think there's a single thing that's a, that is improved by being skin temperature. Ugh, that's a horrible way to say it. That is uh, perhaps one of my biggest problems with Taco Bell, is their uh, propensity to serve you body-warm food bags. Oh, that just sounds bad. It, sound, it sounds like they warmed it with their own body temperature. It's like, oh good, this burrito is the same temperature as my mouth. That's not good mouthfeel, that's it's, for sure. It's not so cool thanks, hot beverages. Yeah, that's a cool thanks to hot beverages, which hopefully does not result in a lukewarm anything. Oh no. Oh god, what have you done? Every hot beverage is now lukewarm and I've done it. Oh god. Um, I want to give cool thanks to a neat little thing I discovered just the other week. Hmm. Uh, tucked into the plethora of shopping strip malls and other big budget movie theaters that play all the blockbusters, I found the small independent theater that only plays independent movies. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, uh, my girlfriend and I were trying to find a place to watch uh, Loving Vincent, the movie that is 100% painted. Mm-hmm. And the only place that was showing it was a small, like, nine or eight screen theater. That And w- when we got there, we realized they had a, The Killing of a Sacred Deer. Huh. They had Lady Bird and, huh. a, and a, a bunch of other uh, limited release films. And that's all they had. Is this uh is this the kind of place that we'd like to shout out on the podcast? It, it might be. It's uh it's called the the Regal Regal Eight. The Regal Eight. Regal Eight at Arboretum. Okay. And um in uh in Austin, Texas. In Austin, Texas. And it was it's a really cool place. And I was sad, a little bit sad, because there was no one there. Oh, it's we, my girlfriend and I and two other people were the only people for a nine o'clock showing on a Saturday night of Loving Vincent. That's very sad. I wonder how long the Regal Eight has been open. It it seems like a it seems like it's been open for a while. It it, it feels like an old movie theater. Like mm. um, it, it, the aesthetics, the the crazy patterns on the floor, the. The the poster frames, everything about it screams like I was built in the 90s. Okay. And I think they kind of just kept it all, kept all of that stuff. And we're like, we're, I think it's technically owned by a bigger movie house, a bigger uh, movie company. Like, I think Regal Cinema is like a national chain, but this independent one is, is just a small sort of, we're just going to show art house films and films that probably wouldn't do well in a bigger movie theater. So just a little uh, vestige of the art world living out there in the Texas desert. Yeah, and I I want to give cool thanks to it because that's awesome. Like, the fact that they exist and continue to exist showing the limited release films that they do. Yeah, that that is very, very cool. I cannot wait to go there. Yeah. And many shout out to Loving Vincent, which was a beautiful film. It was, uh, isn't every frame basically uh, a fresh Vincent Van Gogh inspired painting? All of the major characters are portraits that he did. 
and a lot of the settings are are, are landscapes that he did. Um, but it, I don't think it's frame by frame because they ha- they do have to tell the story. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's those ca- it's like it's characters moving through those set pieces. Okay. And, and um, there are a lot of like whenever you first meet characters, like the the frame is basically their portrait, and then they start moving. I would very much want to go see that. It was only here for one week. Hell, yeah. Uh, it was it was beautiful. The story was very intriguing. Like I didn't realize there was like mystery surrounding Vincent Van Gogh's death. Neither did I. And, well, uh, yeah. Because the, uh, the story is, the premise is basically a friend, well, not a friend. A son of a friend of Vincent Van Gogh is trying to track down his family to deliver a letter. Mm-hmm. And from that spirals a bit of a mystery. Okay. But, yeah, it's a beautiful film. And it was only showing at that one theater, so cool thanks to the Regal 8 at Arboretum. I think that all of our listeners who are in the area should check it out. Yeah. Now, Henry, I'm going to peel back the curtain a little bit. Oh, God. Oh, God. You're going to let the little man out? Yes. What? (laughs) The man behind the curtain. Oh, yes. Was the Wizard of Oz short? I don't remember. Uh, the movie was longer than it needed to be. No, no. Was the actual man, the actual human, or questionable, the actual person, the Wizard of Oz, I, I, he's a little man, right? Oh, he was probably longer than he needed to be. (laughs) Okay. Uh, so what are you revealing? Uh, what I'm revealing is I have been, uh, very stressed lately. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, it's fine. But I'm I'm glad for this cools giving because it gives me some time to sit back and reflect when my life has been pretty negative lately. All right. And uh, one thing that I would definitely like to give cool thanks to is a little show called The Great British Bake Off. Oh, man. The Great British Bake Off is so good. Uh, if I could give this all of my cool thanks, I would, but you only have so many cool thanks in a life, and I have many years ahead of me. Yeah, it's good to hold on to some for future use. Uh, I am generally of the opinion, or I was generally of the opinion for the longest time, that if you're consuming something on TV, it needs to be something substantive, and it needs to have a narrative, and it needs to be important, and it needs to expand your worldview, and I've since abandoned that, of course. Because of the Great British Bake Off. Because of the Great British Bake Off. If you don't know what the Great British Bake Off is, it is essentially uh, two hosts, uh, Sue and... It's not Mary, sorry. Meg or something. Anyway, these these two hosts who are two pretty talented comedians, uh, they introduce every week's episode in which... Two well-known celebrity bakers, uh, Mary Berry and Paul Hollywood, uh, review the bakes of a group of ten of the most skilled amateur bakers in all of the continent. And at the end of every episode, one of them is crowned a star baker, and one of them is sent home. The continent of Britain? Uh, you know, Europe. Do they take people from all over Europe? Yeah. Oh, my bad. They have people from, like, Ireland. Okay, okay. Wales. So, sorry for my, my incredulous incredulousness. There was a guy who was originally from Ghana. Okay, I believe you. Anyway, uh, but the particular reason why I'm giving cool thanks to this program is even though it sounds like... Listen... It might sound like your normal American elimination-style reality TV show. It is not. It is a non-stop cavalcade of positivity and action and baking tutorial. It is peerless because the narrative of a reality show and the narrative of almost any product is shaped by its editors. And if you look at the way any American reality TV show is set, especially one that's based on the idea of elimination, they are edited in a way 
to kind of maximize a negative nervous system response where they make you as anxious as possible. They build your expectations up. They, they crush you. Everything is very dire. Everything's sad. You zoom in on everyone who's crying. It's a mess. Like I can't watch American reality TV because it is too exploitative. That and they, they try, they actually, like the behind the scenes is they try to create drama and conflict where there otherwise wouldn't be any. Yeah, if you look at a show like uh, Chopped, for instance, they will specifically ask them questions while they're sitting together and then cut in their answers to those questions as if they were answers to things, responses to things other people had said to try to like build up some kind of animosity. Essentially, editing an American reality TV is the most pessimistic, horrible thing that you can imagine. Yeah, it's manufactured negativity, which wouldn't exist otherwise if, if there weren't producers stepping in to, to create it. Yeah, it's just pumping more negativity into the air, which we do not need. Not at all. And I, I've watched a few episodes of The Great British Bake Off, and what I love about it is there there are no manufacturers. Like, it's, it's literally just the bake. It, it's literally just the bake. If things happen where someone drops something or someone forgets something, then they will call attention to it because it will affect the final product. But for the most part, it's just really deft editing to give you a sense of the pressure these people are under to complete these bakes in a set amount of time. Yeah, the, the conflict comes from the act of baking and the act of baking with so much time. Yeah, the but, conflict comes from the contest. It doesn't come from the people. Yeah, it's built in. We don't need Jeremy and S S Susan being at each other's throats for no reason. Like, oh, you touched my eggs. No, everyone gets the same amount of eggs. Yeah, and even though it is an elimination-style program, when people are eliminated, it is not crushingly sad or dismal or despairing like it is on American TV. It is sad, but it's because everyone's sad to see this person go. Yeah, especially when it's like, well, they could have stuck around for one more week. Yeah, and the uh, whenever they let someone go, everyone hugs them, they cry, they have like a little exit interview. None of it is like filled with animosity. It's just people who were glad to have had the opportunity to do this thing. Yeah, and they probably learned something al along the way, especially with the technical bakes, the technical mm -hmm. challenges, because that's always like something blind. And then if you if you look throughout time at all the people who have been eliminated, they're all talented. You can appreciate their talents. However, I do want to give a, a parenthetical uh, demi-cool thanks to a specific contestant on the Great British Bake Off. Oh, you're playing favorites here. Uh, yes. I don't remember if his name is Tom or James or Tim. His name was something very simple, and I think it was the second season that's available on Netflix. Oh, God. Uh, he was the first person eliminated because he had used salt instead of sugar. Oh, no. It's adorable. It, it was an adorable mistake, and the way he did it was he, like, tasted it, and he was like, oh, no. <laughs> and then he just, like, sat there and, like, tucked his thumbs into his pockets, like, I guess this is what I'm serving to people now. Oh, my gosh. Uh -oh. That's that's adorable and yet sad at the same time. I love it because it's such a pure elimination because it's like, of course, you have to go home. His quiet exclamation of, oh no. <laughs> yep. Oh, that's it's like, great. It's, it's my favorite part. But The Great British Bake Off, in a world where almost everything on television is just like a big pregnant negativity mushroom shooting negativity spores into your face... The Great British Bake Off is a positive, joyous experience. Now, I've got some odd news for you, John. Oh? Um, because there's going to be an American spinoff of the show. Oh, great. Called The Amer uh, the American Baking Show. Great. Because, you know, uh, The Great British Bake Off is also known as The Great British Baking Show. Yes, because they could not use Bake Off. Yeah. 
Um, so there's going to be Amer- an American version of the show, also shot in a tent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Paul Hollywood is going to be one of the, the people. I don't know if anyone else, I don't know who else is involved. Mm-hmm. But, but I'm curious to see how they treat the editing. Oh, I'm sure it'll be completely different. I'm sure it'll be like Chopped or Hell's Kitchen or something. I, I have, hope I have zero hope. I have a little bit of hope since they're keeping sort of the same setting, mm-hmm. a tent outdoors, and they're keeping Paul Hollywood, who is okay at, I don't know, he knows his stuff at least. It is also worth noting that the current iteration of the Great British Bake Off does not have Mary Berry or the two hosts on it. Yeah, some, another channel just straight up bought the show. Yeah, they bought the show and no one wanted to go except Paul. Yeah. So Paul just goes where the money is. Money-grubbing Paul. <laughs> or, I don't know. I, I don't know. Oh, man. Amazon Cross... Animal Crossing Pocket Camp just downloaded. On your phone? Yeah. I wasn't going to try it out. Well, I certainly am. Hmm. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> Catch that on the next step. No. Um, so, so, yeah, cool thanks to the great British Bake Off baking show. A toodaloo. And I, I, I think I, we have time for one more cool thanks for me. Is that... Is that we yeah, got? that sounds about right. Yeah. I want to give cool thanks to a thing that I did at the beginning of the year, or maybe just a cool thanks to new experiences. Oh, was it doing your taxes, you filthy tax dodger? No, I don't do my taxes. I live very dangerously. Oh, you really should. <laughs> they, they've got the money. Doing your ta- They already have the money. Yeah, but the thing is, if you do your taxes, they'll give you the money back. Yeah, whatever. Right, Dude, so, the last uh, time I did my taxes, I got like dollars. That's great. That's great for you, you law-abiding citizen. That's it takes, not what it I'm... takes. Fifteen minutes. I give cool thanks. I'm gonna give a real quick cool thanks to doing your taxes and not being a criminal. You're cool interrupting... thanks doing your taxes. Oh my god. Sorry. Go ahead. I want to give cool thanks to new experiences because at the beginning of this year, I packed everything up, everything I owned, and I moved to a city. Where I knew one person and I had no job. And now, I know more than one person. I have a job. And I'm pretty established. It's been 11 months. And I I wouldn't have done that if I was not ready for new experiences. So, I, I just want, you know, take a risk, maybe. You know, if you're if you find yourself unsatisfied or stuck where you are. Maybe try shaking it up, do something different, give cool thanks. My experiences are, like, the reason I can give cool thanks is because they worked out well. I want to acknowledge that it is a risk and that it might not end up well. But that's kind of a part of life. You you fly by the seat of your pants and hope you land with your pants still on. And sometimes the whole thing is just taking a risk even... Even if it doesn't end up well, you at least know that you took the risk and you were able to, you know, steer your own ship of destiny. Yeah, you you learn a little something about yourself when you remove yourself from your zone of comfort. Mm-hmm. And I learned that I get really sad when I don't have a job. Yes, that that <laughs> same. But it's okay cuz as long as you're putting yourself out, as long as you're you're making yourself vulnerable, there's a chance for good things to happen. And a good thing happened. I got a job. Now, this is a cool thanks that I can identify with because I'm about to do the same thing. What? You are? Yes. And in fact, to the same city. What? You are? Yep. You're making that announcement official? Uh, it's going to happen before the next time we record, so I figure I might as well. Yeah, so those of you who didn't know, John, that's right, Austin, Texas. The great big city of Austin. And, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, you're going to be staying with me for a little while. 
Yeah, I'm going to be living on your couch while I try to get an apartment, uh, which will be interesting, but we'll make it work. Yeah, I haven't had a roommate since undergrad. Well, you'll only have a roommate for like a week or two. Hopefully. And then I hope our friendship can survive the disorganized chaos that is how I live my life. Don't worry, I'll just spend most of my time in the park. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it closes at some point, so you'll have to come back, but still. Yeah, then I'll just go have to go see a movie at the Alamo Draft House. Ooh, Alamo Draft House is great. Yeah, I heard they serve They serve beer. They serve food. They have vegetarian options. Oh man, I'm a vegetarian. You know, I always check for vegetarian, but I never really check for vegan. That's fine. Yeah. If they care about one, they it's, care about the other a little bit. Yeah, it stands to reason they might care about the other. But yeah, uh, cool thanks to new experiences, and that's a joint cool thanks. Yeah, you robbed me of mine. Oh no, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to co-opt it for my thing. No, it's okay. I think it worked out fine, because I was running out of things to say about new experiences. I just wanted to make the announcement so people will know. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that was a, a very natural way of going about it. Oh boy, it's happening soon. Oh yeah, it's it's... You've got, like, a couple of days left. If, uh, if anyone who's listening to this has any tips on packing up a compact car with all the things you own and then moving 600 miles, hit me up. Uh, pack, 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 pack. Oh, bring a pillow. Uh, yeah, I'll bring a pillow. Yeah, maybe a couple of towels. Pillow, towels, I'll bring an air mattress. Yeah. Which... I mean, looking around, you could make it work. Yeah, I can, you can, I can, it'll work. We, we can make it work. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that you need to bring that I can say on the pod. Bring beer. No, I'm kidding. Oh, I can bring all the beer from this place where I live. We get, we get a few of your beers. Hmm. Not so much like southern prohibition or anything like that you know maybe maybe we should talk about this after the podcast maybe um yeah oh god i'm doing that thing where we fade fast at the end of the podcast stop fading ah there i fixed it Uh, all right so uh yeah cool's giving this year seems pretty pretty effective not only did we give quite a number of cool thanks but we also elected a new patron saint yeah, we've got a new patron saint, Sam Elliott, who we dedicate all of our cool things to, and the name of him. We have to come up with a quick, like, uh, saints pre- preserve us prayer for Sam-, Sam Elliott. How do we do that? Uh, Wait, I got it. Do it. Dear Sam Elliott. Yes. I am a huge fan. Please accept this cool thanks... Which is a list of things that I am both, I find cool and that I am thankful for. You are our new central figurehead of the holiday. Signed, Henry from Zero Credits and John. Amen. Because, like, uh, it's just like a letter, right? Amen. I think there's got to be a third one for it to be official. Amen. All right. We did it. We did it. We finally have a saint. We finally have a saint. The first patron saint named by zero credits, Sam Elliott. And you know what having a saint means? What does that mean? Social media. How does that track? Uh, Saints are social. Do people understand when I say track, I mean scan? So if you want to get in touch with us, you can tweet at us at ZCPCWHJ on Twitter.com. That stands for Henry. And by scan, I'm trying to say, does this joke make sense? And if you want to send us an email, you can send us an email at zerocreditsisapodcast at gmail.com. Send us an email, send us a gmail. But please do not send us complaints about the fact that we disregard Tom Hanks so easily. Well, I feel like... I feel like life is going to do that eventually, right? 
And if you want to watch us play video games sometimes, we're on twitch.tv slash zero credits. You can find us on Facebook by searching for zero credits podcast in the Facebook search bar and uh, like, comment, and subscribe. Like us on iTunes, share with your friends. Word of mouth is the only way we advertise. Yeah, I'm going to pull a McElroy here and say we spend no money on advertising. So, like, your word of mouth, you're, you're telling your friends is the literal lifeblood of the show. Yeah, we would not... I mean, we will continue to exist, but if if you tell more people about it, it will be easier for us to continue to exist. Yeah, and to continue the McElroy bit, um, yeah, the, the feedback that we're getting on the Facebook, as in, like, the one or two people who answer our questions that we ask, that gives us stuff to talk about. So, like, you could get mentioned, just like the person who... who we, we never mentioned her name... But it's okay, because she knows who she is. Yeah, she knows who she is, and also Sam Elliott commands it. Sam Elliott commands it, which rhymes. Sam Elliott commands it. Is that an iambic pentameter? Oh, uh, I look, I studied iambic. And I once you once you know it, it kinda takes over. So don't just don't worry about it. Hey, I am what I am. And that's what I am. I'm Popeye the Sailor Man. Toot Good- toot. Goodbye. Bye, everybody. Everyone from here. Okay, goodbye. I'll see you in a different state. Yeah. Um, wait, I have time to do my usual thing? I thought you were, like, signing off real quick. Uh, I was signing off. What's your usual thing? From everyone here at Zero Credit Studios, we want to ha- wish you a happy Coolsgiving. Oh, bye. Bye. Happy. Thank you. Cool. Coolsgiving. Do you like ignoring me, John? Yes.